This is Multinew Media. Hi everyone, I'm Chase Raz, and this is Multinew Media. Chris Ayers and I are back for a second annual Nerd Out November. So why don't we do the obvious thing and call this Nerd Out November 2016? Chris, how you doing? Being nerdy. How about you? <laughs> Good. I'm also being nerdy. And I wanted to point out, since this is our second annual Nerd Out November, uh, in our first, back in 2015, I, I had was talking to you about just having pre-ordered the Lumia 950XL. Yeah, I think I remember that. And I was mentioning that I wasn't sure if I was going to keep it and how I liked it and that um, you know some stock Android devices were, were calling my name. I, um, I, I still have the device. I'm still using it as my daily driver. Still love it. Um, wouldn't mind augmenting. But that's well, one of my friends had it. But that's because I'm a tech nerd and can will take every device I can get my hands on. So one of my friends who was a big Android guy and had like the OnePlus One when it first came out, um, he got the 950XL and he loved it. Like the mm-hmm. camera on that thing, because we were comparing pictures. Yeah. Really good camera. Like the images that came out were excellent quality. And he he always said it was real fast and he loved it. Um, somebody knocked it out of his hand and broke it. Oh. <laughs> and these screens are pretty tough to break. Um, most all devices these days, yeah. unless you're getting something a little yeah. cheaper. But he thought it was just the Gorilla Glass, but it was, or you know, the the glass, but mm-hmm. it was the LCD underneath Ooh. that got damaged. That's a hard hit. Yeah, I've got my uh, iPhone Seven Plus. Yeah, yeah. That's your daily driver now. That's well, you were on a, you were on six, what a six, six S Plus. Oh, okay, last. yeah, yeah. So you had just in, you got that just over a year ago as well. Yeah, I um, this time I was real close to getting like a Note Seven. Probably good I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> in retrospect, you know, you'd be on the no fly list. Uh, maybe. Uh, not since I cut my beard. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, still the uh, the analogy is the same. You have a long beard. You have a phone that explodes. I don't think anyone's letting you near any federal buildings or airplanes. Uh, so speaking of no fly, have you heard about the GoPro? Karma recall? I yeah, I've heard that some of those devices just midair lose power and drop out of the sky. Yep. That like so there was a big thing. The DJI came out with a lower cost uh drone. DJI, you know, they're the ones that make the Phantoms, which were some of the higher end, really nice um drones that had cameras built in. You could get gimbals so you could fly it and have it programmed to follow you around and uh a lot of people use the DJI Phantom and they would get a gimbal mount for their GoPro and put it on the Phantom. Mm-hmm. Um, so DJI started releasing models with their own cameras. GoPro was like, okay, we want to get into this. And so they were like, okay, we've come out with our own drone. It's foldable. It's nice. Like 500 and something bucks comes with the hero, uh, the GoPro was it hero five. And um, yeah, it started, Bonus feature, you get some great aerial freefall footage. Yeah, it started uh, <laughs> losing power while it was flying. Yeah, that's problematic. Yep, so they had to recall all 2,500 units that they'd sold. You, you know what's ironic about that? And I, I'm not going to change the subject. I'm just going to piggyback. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I've been following recently is, and this is a little bit older. This comes from the beginning of October <laughs> when this was making the news cycle. But uh, the talk of drones recharging midair, um, sometimes just like you would, you know, recharge your phone uh, wirelessly, 
this type of technology, they've modified it to where a drone can sort of hover or fly over uh, a charging station or beam about four inches off of it and recharge in air. Uh, so Tesla's dream finally realized. Sort of, but I mean... Well, come on. Tesla wanted wireless power transmission and wireless recharging. Yeah, but we're talking about four inches from from the power source, not worldwide global free power Yeah, well, using direct current. Well, right now, with the ways I've seen power induction done, the QI chargers and some of the other ones, it's hard to... Because of the way power dissipates um, inverse to the square of the distance, mm-hmm. it falls off exponentially. So it's really hard to get distance in, in that transmission. So four inches is better than hey, a lot know, of things today. That'll that'll get up, and I'm sure maybe at some point we'll be able to do that over a couple of feet, dozen, a couple I dozen mean, feet. I used to have a, a – I guess a, I should go in meters if I'm talking about science. I had a wireless cell phone charger, and if I had too thick of a case, it wouldn't work. Like a couple extra, you know, a couple millimeters made enough of a difference. Well, but that is interesting. If you take a phone on a wireless charger and you hover it just a little bit, sometimes you can actually get a little bit of a trickle there. And that's um, uh, that's sort of the same technology at work. So maybe uh, what GoPro needs to do is find uh, some synergy between these two and uh, a great opportunity for coming back with their next drone. Because um, from the business point of view, uh, it's just taking a look at this on some of the um, cable business networks uh, here at the end of this week. And uh, GoPro stock, not doing so well this year. Well, I mean, to be fair, DJI, they're on their Phantom 3 or Phantom 4. Like, they've been working at this for a long time, Mm -hmm. and this was GoPro's first drone. Yeah. I mean... They'll get there. they'll, They'll get there. It's just you have to be aware. They've been revising their models year after year they've been working through the kinks they've uh, drones are not always easy like it's not just applying power there's some there's some brains in the in those boxes to not crash into things come back to where it started uh, you know an ai flight program of some kind or oh come on some gyroscopes and accelerometers you know things i would have no idea how to work with in a programming environment probably yeah (laughs) I would have no idea where to even begin. But you, you've made the mistake of saying the name Tesla and talking about power because the uh, company named in his honor, uh, Elon Musk's uh, Tesla, something I'm, you know, I, the last time we we did this, Nerd Out November in 2015, we were so focused on things like Xbox and phones and where I've been recently in my mind is predominantly, you know, with enterprise computing and, and small business computing and mid-sized business computing. But outside of that, it's been solar and wind and all of these renewable energy sources. And we can talk about the Tesla Power Pack, this kind of large-scale uh, storage solution. We can talk about the solar uh, uh, roof tiles. But the thing that interests me most, even out of those great announcements, is the second version of the Powerwall. The Tesla right. Powerwall 2, the $5,500 U.S. unit so that just they sits had, on your wall. He two, yeah, he has two companies, Tesla and uh, what was it, Solar Solutions. Solar, what is it? Isn't it Solar City? Why do I not know Solar the name City. of this company? I think it's Solar City. Because who can keep track of how many companies Elon Musk owns? But he's combined them. They're right. merged. Well, yeah, they're going through the, the, the approval. Right, to merge. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's he's kind of 
putting them all together so that you can have a glass roof with solar panels feeding power into your power pack that's in your garage to charge your vehicle, which is cool. But it's gone beyond vehicle because the Powerwall right. 2, of course, providing um, not only charging to your Tesla vehicle or other electric vehicle, but, but also household. backing up a two-bedroom house for an entire day. Now, that's the second model for 5500 Um And this power pack idea, this more commercial, this thing that weighs um, 3,575 pounds, that holds 200 kilowatt hours um, and costs $150,000 per unit uh, that seems to be the bigger takeaway using that with the glass tiles and and um, and solar and 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 uh, wind infrastructure but for some reason my heart just gravitates towards this power wall because as much as I want to see our entire grid go renewable I, I do think that we have some responsibility to also decentralize our power production in this country uh, and all across the world, you could be in the middle of, of nowhere uh, in Australia or Africa, or you can be in a major city. I just think that the decentralization of the power grid is something that we're going to look at intensely over the next one to two decades. Well, I mean, it's a little bit on our mind because we're both in Florida. We just had a, a ballot initiative uh, about solar power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the November 2016 uh, elections, we had a solar measure. Yeah. And um, and th this is going to be surprising. So it, we're going to say, luckily, it failed. Now, right. Chris, explain but, to people why we're saying, luckily, this, this solar measure, measure failed. Well, it was funded in large part from all of the energy companies in the area, um, like Florida Power and Light, Duke Energy, and, and, you know, Tampa Electric. They put millions towards making this, this constitutional amendment yeah. to... It pretty much said you have the right to own solar, which we already which have. Which we already have. It's just not in the Constitution, nor does it need to be. Right. But the point that they wanted was, um, and we can kind of charge you uh, for the hookups. Even if you don't use our power, we, we can charge you because you're kind of wanting to connect to the grid. So you know what's even more duplicitous about this? And is, they wrote it in a very misleading way. Is according, and, and I mentioned this on the show a lot, I'm, um, I use Lakeland Electric. And uh, I talked to the, the head of solar there uh, about once a year. And last time I talked to him, he told me they already do that anyway. There, there was already regulatory change coming in that to make things more fair for uh, those who do not use solar, they won't subsidize the cost. You do still have to pay for the hookup uh, and all of that. So, I mean, whether that happened or not, that's what he told me last time. So I'm going on secondhand information here. Um but so the entire purpose of this bill was to make it sound like, oh, hey, you can go do solar and you can it's it's your right as a as a Floridian. But all they were looking to do was give the regulatory power to the energy companies. That's wow. Way to try to kill technology in Florida. Yep. Yeah. So I, but, I, I that that's yeah. Glad that one failed. Well, um, did you hear the other thing from Elon Musk about SpaceX? No, what's he doing with SpaceX now other than going well, to Mars? You, you saw the um, that maybe a month or two ago they tried to do a launch at Cape Canaveral and the rocket exploded. Yes, yeah. Remember there was the, the Facebook uh, satellite they were trying to launch. Yeah, okay. So See, I had forgotten all about that part, but I, I do right. remember the, the rocket explosion, yes. 
Right, and they couldn't figure out what it was at the time. They were trying to understand what was going on, and, and, and it took them a while. Oh, I thought um, that they still hadn't figured out. Did they finally figure out what happened? They made an announcement about a week or two ago saying that they thought they figured out what it was. It was a very strange interaction that's never happened in the history of rocketry with um, solid oxygen, advanced composites, and um, hydrogen fuel tanks. Um because they 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 usually load the fuel and oxidizer right before the launch, mm-hmm. um, and they have inside. I think I think if I remember reading it correctly, they have inside the oxygen tank another tank for um, like liquid hydrogen or liquid yes. helium or something, yeah. um, and that is much colder than oxygen is. It's kept at a lower temperature. So when they loaded in the uh, the liquid hydrogen, it actually caused some of the oxygen to solidify, hmm. which had a weird reaction with the <laughs> composites they had, and that is what started to cause the failure. So I may, I may be overly simplifying this, but caused some type of um, uh, material or strength problem right. with the composites that they made the um, right. either the tanks or the rocket itself from. Yes. Huh. Well, that seems feasible, and it's, you know, to me, it sounds like if you know you're putting... Um, a solid hydrogen, and it's going to be touching the tank of your oxygen propellant, you'd probably want to do some engineering testing to see what the thermal dissipation is. I, I mean, know. that just seems I, like I step just, one to me. This is just what I remember reading in the article. Yeah, we'll have to look that one up more because that, again, it just seems so basic that they wouldn't have uh, accounted for that. But then again, how can you account for the number of systems that are that are in some of these new uh, new rockets? Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah. That was pretty cool. You know, I I feel a little guilty here because I'm not nerding out this uh, as much this November as I was last time. And as I've mentioned, you know, talking about Xbox and all those things. My mind has been so solidly um, in the cloud. And I have this weird, completely nerdy obsession with uh, cloud cloud suites. I guess there's a way to say it. Things like Office 365 and Adobe's I'm Creative not. Cloud. I'm absolutely in love with these packaged services right now, and I don't know why. It's just I feel like there's something professionally wrong with me that I think they're the greatest thing, even though they've already been around for years. Uh, my, I'm not at all enthralled with Office. It's Office, man. How do you get excited about an Office I, Okay. Have you been so, using Office recently? Yes, I use Office all the time. With Power BI and Power Apps and Microsoft Flow, which is kind of like an if this, then that, putting them all together. So Flow is a knockoff of if this, then that. It is a knockoff, but it works with Power Apps and other other, uh, data services. I get it, too. Uh, A lot of the clients and even... (laughs) That's a, I get it, shut up, let me finish this, right? Right. We use Slack a lot because Slack is amazing for the team communication and the file sharing and all that. Microsoft just put in the preview of their teams and... It's almost yeah. all right. No, it's it's not good. I don't like Teams. See, I don't like Slack very much. So for I me, Teams is kind of. I mean, I I use it. Uh, I don't dislike it, but it's not that. It's it's just instant messaging to me with the ability to store some files. And I think you know, ICQ could do this. And oh, oh, God. I need to take a drink. Stop. We need to be doing a drinking game because I mentioned ICQ last year. In the nerd out November, but no, it is. Okay, I mean, to be fair, you are a little antiquated in your technology sometimes, man. Come on. Ouch. Oh God. Um. Would you like some PHP with that? 
<laughs> yes, I would. I love PHP. Uh, quit proving. Quit proving your point. But um, would, no. Would you I, want to talk about it over ICQ so we can bring up your PHP while you? How use? how is Slack any different? Please explain to me. In all seriousness, how is Slack any different than just any other communication tool with a little bit of file storage? All right. So I was uh, I'm Teams is in preview right now, and we were trying to use it. Um, one. With Slack, you can invite anybody into your, your group. Right, and this is why you and I are not using Teams because um, I don't have you in my Office 365 uh, enterprise. So Slack, you can in, if you have an internal team at your company, you can mm -hmm. invite clients yes. that are not part of your team into it. Right. You can easily share files, tag people, um, have private channels, public channels, very easy. Mm -hmm. Teams, um, when you create a team, it's private. Yeah. Right? Like... It's private. That's because it's um, a team. Yeah. No, I wasn't trying to derail you there. I'm just I'm I'm playing devil's I, advocate. I don't like the product look, much I, either. I realize it's a team. I was trying to type something, uh, and I got a notification that someone had responded to a, a a channel or a comment I made, and it scrolled while I was typing to that comment, like it was stealing focus. I huh. couldn't type right. That's not very um, good. You can upload a file to the channel or to the team. I mean, it is a beta can, product. Somebody can go to the team and say, open a tab, and suddenly everybody in the entire team sees a tab that you've created, and they open the same file like eight times. And so anybody – it was just really weird. Um I don't yeah. I don't doubt that at all I because just, it is a beta product and and from the yeah. little bit of exposure I got to it, let me tell you from the back end I don't know if you did the organization of the team, but it's a little bit confusing too and I think that's one of the big downsides. Um, well, it's backed by SharePoint and it's using like some yeah. of the Outlook group or you know like the that's groups. yeah that's the point exactly and and I don't want to detract because my interest is also in things like Creative Cloud and some of the um, cloud hosting and, and other types of suites that have been um, been coming out. But I, I don't want to focus too much on Office 365, but that is confusing. The difference between Outlook groups and SharePoint groups and these team groups and how one can create a different type of group and integrate with a different service. Um, yeah, when we talk about that type of cloud suite, Microsoft really yeah. Does, yeah. does need to do something to streamline their um, group and team facilitation. It's it's quite a nightmare. Yeah, so um, no, I'm just... I, 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 I... There's no reason to get excited over Office Suites, man. No, no. Office 365 is absolutely wonderful. I mean, productivity on any device. Okay, I mean, you can me, be using I'll my absolute... You know how I I'll, feel about iPhones, but they I'll made iPhones up. productive. I'll back up. Here it is. If you have a business and you're doing operations and, do. and interactions with other companies, or even if you just need a mail suite or something, when you get above a couple of employees, most likely... You want to have some sort of office suite. You can probably use Google Apps. Or you can probably use Office. You're paying what? Depending upon the level, twenty bucks a month a person, and you get a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it goes either way. Like uh, Google or Office, twenty bucks a person a month. You're getting some not, sort of. It's not like quite that much for small and mid-sized business, but yeah, with some of the enterprise stuff, sure. Sure. Yeah, you get the full office suite. You can get access to some of the stuff. Uh, so I think what you're, I think I can cut you off here because just, I think what you're trying to tell me. Thing. You're going to have one. You're going to need one. Pick one. You, on. You're just trying to tell me that this is my interest alone and no one else actually nerds out over this. Correct. Okay. Well, then let's move on to something else. What, what else you got? 
Well, VR has been real big lately. Uh, the PSVR came out about a month ago. Um, Vive and Oculus have been out for a while. Oculus just released their new touch controllers a little bit ago with additional cameras. And there's word that Vive is coming out with. So they had some sort of um, like Y Combinator. They had they were trying to encourage people to make vi- uh, devices and add-ons for the Vive. Mm-hmm. And it looks like someone made one where you can uh, hook it up to the Vive. and The Vive is HTC, right? Vive is HTC with Steam. Oculus is with Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but um, the Vive has this new add-on where it can go wireless. So you can not have cables dangling from the back of your head. <laughs> and That's you can nice. walk around a room. Yeah, so... Both of those are real exciting. I did end up getting the PSVR, um, been having fun with some of those games. Wait it a does... second. So that wireless upgrade, I'm just looking, it's over $200. Yep. Oh, so what's the price of the Vive going in? The price of the Vive going in was $799, but it oh. comes with, I mean... with handsets. It has two controllers and two um, beacons that you put on your put on stands or on your ceiling okay and you can do room scale vr so you can walk around your house you know walk around this 10 foot cube turn around in 360 you know you can do whatever and you can interact i mean this to me this feels like this is very much focused for early adopting early adopters in gaming like this doesn't seem i i can't imagine an 800 dollar device with a 220 dollar add-on well the 220 dollar add-on is not out yet yeah. Right now, if you want to get into VR, there's th- besides the I put my cell phone in a little case and I can have 360 look around. Besides that, if you want like real interaction, like walking around and stuff with a PC or gaming system, there's three options. If you have a PlayStation, there's the PSVR. It costs about four hundred dollars, um, and you can play games. You can watch stuff that they have their system it comes with the camera the hand the the little motion controllers you know if so you have the playstation you have that kit you're good to go you're probably in about eight hundred dollars for buying a playstation and the the playstation vr everything you need about 800 bucks hmm. um if you go oculus the entry level i i need to double check but i'm pretty sure it was 599 for just the oculus I, yeah, I don't uh, and know. That did, yeah, that was the Oculus Rift, and it came with like an Xbox controller. So you didn't have handheld controllers that could track your hand movements, mm-hmm. and it did not support you walking around in a 10-foot room, um, standing up, walking around. It only had one camera if it was like good for seated. But I did uh, just pull up the Oculus Touch online, and I, I right. kind of like the released, look of it. They, they just released the controllers mm-hmm. at the Oculus convention a little bit ago and it comes with an extra camera so it does enable room scale and then they sell additional cameras so you can actually have a bunch of cameras and have a huge space you can walk around and do vr stuff in you know i i, I understand for gaming but they, have, Th- this but they is, have pc requirements right this is yeah. big but i you know i'm not gonna this is just Probably me not going to i'm not gonna buy in um at this price point now right. the, the a lot of people are not but this yeah. is what we needed out there Oh, sure, yeah. The, I think humanity has accepted that VR is coming. Well, There's, humanity has accepted that 3D is coming and is here, but still no major manufacturers put it on televisions anymore, even though people like me love it. So no, I'm not, I, I, I'm don't, not I, that. I don't know if I'd I, make a claim about critical mass yet. 
it, I don't think it has critical mass yet, but that's why we need it. I'm just saying, right. look at look at media, look at books, look at that they've visualized uh, VR and and cyberspace like this for for decades, going back to like Neuromancer. Like people really Classic. do want some of this stuff. Yeah, but we don't have it yet. The software is not there for all the. Um, the user interfaces, all the interactions, all the gestures, the control inputs. Like, sure, we've got these things and we can hit a button and we see hands or we can um, hit a button and, and kind of move inside VR, but people still get nauseous. You know, I think people maybe with glasses or astigmatisms don't see it right. So there's things that we need to work out. But like with every new technology, gaming's there. Uh, most likely porn is there, but gaming is there. They're Probably. trying to. They're working on doing it for like architecture and medical. Yeah, but okay, stuff. so that's that's a split, and we're we're talking gaming versus business. And the thing is, I what makes a technology typically, and I can't but, say that this won't be different. Gonna def, who's going to define the interfaces? Most likely, gaming no, is going to come up with control. Inputs. Sure, no, not really. No, I, I I don't play a lot of video games, but trust me, when I load a video game and get all those futuristic sci-fi UIs, my website, my operating system look nothing like that. I, I really don't think that's... No, that's not what I mean, Chase. So I what do you mean? Mice. Like, how do you get your controls into the computer? Keyboard and mice. Yeah. But there's also joysticks and controllers. Uh, if you're doing VR, how, how do you interact with an object? So uh, the business okay. space maybe is just, I'm going to look at a window and stick it to a wall if you're, holo uh, if you're Microsoft HoloLens. But if you're in a fully submersive 3D environment and you have two handheld controllers... Do I point at it and pick up an object? Like gaming is going to have you pick up items and interact with the but items in this in case. Ways. In this case, I still do disagree because I think what you're going to have is a a um, um, really a proliferation of input type devices. And the reason is because one input type. So if you're in a video game and you want to shoot something up. You have one type of action and gesture. We have so many items in the real world. I think this is where our input devices need to start mirroring some have, of that. Have you, have you not seen stuff like Job Simulator and some of the things where they're Surgeon Simulator and there's 3D inputs for it where you're picking up uh, pieces of paper or you're interacting with a keyboard or you're doing stuff inside VR? Yeah, but that's my that's my point. What are you going to do that with an Xbox controller and these little no, Oculus no, Touch devices? No. You're going to do that with something that feels like a piece of paper. People are doing it with Oculus Touch device. My my point is Chase. Yeah, get, get to that point been... cuz I'm 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 apparently not getting this point. I don't understand. I know you're not. People Go... have to try things. Uh -huh. And you don't try things with a big enterprise piece of software. You try things with smaller pieces of software and point uh, proof of concepts and games where this one company has an idea that this is a cool way to interact with the system. This is a cool way to have gestures or inputs. And they put it into a game. And those ideas start to disseminate throughout the game development space. And guess what? There are enterprise people who play games. And they might see those ways of interacting with the system or see this cool idea or this tool, cool technology and think of another use for it. We need this cross-pollination of ideas. And the people who are going to get there first and, and put stuff out there and try it and try it in more unique ways than enterprise business will are the people who make games. I don't disagree with that assumption. Thank you. What I'm, what I'm saying is that it's too preliminary to, to even be on that point because we're not at VHS versus Betamax yet. We're at Videodisc. Who, 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 there's no against. 
all of these systems are great and all of these systems are going to move us forward in VR. So, so you agree we'll have a proliferation of input type devices. Right. So maybe it was you but not right understanding now, me. Ah, I'm at a new I have a no, revelation now. It was you no, not understanding me. But all the devices today are trying to do something with your hands. Sure, we're we're not to the phase where we have haptic gloves yet right. for everybody at a lower cost. But that's where we want to be. You know that. <laughs> that's where you mentioned the porn industry. That's where they want to be. Well, they already have that to be fair. I don't even they, want to they, know. They it, I don't want to know. There, there's a whole field called teledildonics. Oh, I'm sorry, what? Teledildonics. So the people who want to Google that, feel free. I'm not going to. I, Let's just say I on, can hear the word and I know what it means and I just don't yeah. want to know anymore. Let's just say on one side there's a concave place with I, I understand. Sensors, and on the other side there's a convex <laughs> side with motors. Chris, I, under, I understand. <laughs> I asked you to repeat the term, not because I because I I was hoping I was hoping that I misheard the term, and and unfortunately I didn't. Um, yeah, listen, hey, it's a it's a valid industry. It makes a lot of money. Money's not the criteria. It makes a lot of people happy. It does make some people unhappy, and I guess we could work on that. But um, I, I'm not going to put down an industry. They make money. They do their thing. They like what they do. Um, not necessarily what I want to be doing in a virtual world. But hey, do you remember Vermal? VRML, virtual reality markup language. Yep, I remember when Google Earth came out too. Okay, thanks for the reference of calling me dated again. But if you're going to call me dated, let's be honest, Vermal is you know three times further back in history than Google Earth. I know. Um, I'm just saying when it was I'm, Vermal was so was so well cr- crappy time, and horrible. We had so little power, very but, little. But that's support. my point. Here's my point: was Vermal ahead of its time? Or would a vermal, a vermal-like situation of bringing developers in and creating these uh, cyber worlds, would that destroy the interest in virtual reality? Which way is it? Was one ahead of its time, or was that just a bad technology? No matter when you introduce it. Well, I mean, okay. So, at, what was the idea of vermal? We're, so, this was when 3D games were becoming really popular because it was mid to late '90s when vermal, uh, if top of my head, if I remember right. Um, you can Google it and let me know, um, but I'm pretty sure here I'll do it. Well, a lot of it was about um, shape and 95. space manipulation. All right, ninety-five. Yes, and I'm There's stuck 90. in 1995. You can get over that fact. No, that's not what I mean. Ninety-five was when the home PC market exploded for 3D. Mm-hmm. Like this was when uh, 3D effects came out with their Monster 3D card. That time frame. This was when Nvidia and ATI had some of their first. 3D chipset cards. This was when um, Doom, or, or not Doom, but like Quake had 3D effects stuff on the home PC. We had lots of 3D games exploding, and they were trying to take that 3D to cyberspace, to the World Wide Web, and put it in a browser. And we had such browser incompatibilities back there. Netscape versus IE yeah. versus what Opera. Like, and none of, them, none of them supported what the other ones supported, really. Um and each game and each graphics card all wanted to use a like 3DFX used Glide. Um, ATI, I think, might have been going OpenGL or might, they might have had their own thing. But we didn't have standard models. We didn't have standard drivers. We didn't have standard browsers across the board. So Vermal was their way of trying to do for 3D and VR what HTML did for web stuff. And it was almost I trying think. to do – well, but, it was a plugin, but, so I have always equated it mentally right. more with Java – um, well, but not to the scope, obviously, that Java. 
So now you have only certain people with high-end machines that display 3D stuff. And you have this plug-in that only works in certain browsers, really, to do 3D through the web. Like, it was just a losing proposition. You didn't have half the power that's available today on every machine. Right. You didn't have but half I, the standardized browsers. I mean, the, the spirit of it isn't to commiserate about how great or bad the 90s were. It's, it's with these virtual reality devices, are we going to see people um, choosing to go back to that avatar style of thing? Or is that only for video games and you the rest of it's it. all? Let's just announce it. Oculus at their their demo were like, "Hey, look, you can chat with people, and you can appear as you know they they had it with you could have meetings in VR." So, are we going to have to do one of these shows in VR? Well, when you get a 3D headset, I'm thinking. You know, um, do you hear, you heard the announcements? I guess like Asus and Lenovo and Dell and all those working on yeah, a couple. They're, of... they're doing partnerships with Microsoft. Uh, yeah, I, I would do a low cost, but even those. I'm not complaining about this. Even those were like a $300 price point. But I'm have you cu- tried Google Cardboard? I haven't. I have not. Um, I you can get the app for for iOS. I think th- I don't know if they have it for Windows. I know they have it for did, Android did, and iOS. I'm sorry. You do recall who you're talking to, right? Yes, I know what your things never you change. I bashed iOS you, a year ago in wife, the Nerd Out November. What type of phone does your wife have? Um, Samsung. Chase. Okay, so she has Android. <laughs> Yeah, we we have one. Okay, we have two Apple devices in the house. I own neither of them. One is yours. One is uh, my universities. So she has an Android device. I have I have Google Cardboard. Uh huh. Like I, it was, I, I it was like ten bucks, fifteen bucks, uh, with the lenses and all. Like I I use it on my iPhone, and you know it's kind of like, um, what when you buy a new Samsung, you got through Verizon like a Gear VR. But how much? It, how much is there really to do? Uh, we're seeing this influx of those are all, VR from the computer, but how much is there really to do on a phone? Those are all passive experiences of That's why I'm not going to go out buy the Alcatel Idol 4S for the Windows environment, because what, what am I going to do with it? You're going to watch a video and look around. Ooh. <laughs> that, 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 and those are the least you know, fun me, things to do. That, let me do something I, real. Right. So let how me, are you going to interact with your phone? You're going to need some sort of Bluetooth pairing to your phone for some type of controller. What type of controller are you going to use? Oh, I think you went down a rabbit hole I wasn't thinking about. How are, are you going, going to give this? How are you going to give input? This is where people are looking into different ways to input and interact with 3D. You are adamant about making this point. I love it. <laughs> love well, it. Um, I, time is getting away from me here. I'm I'm done with my list. In fact, VR was something I I wanted to mention and I'm glad you did. Uh, but yeah, my head has been stuck in enterprise stuff and really, really, really okay, into solar. To, fine, going back to enterprise. No, don't go like back, please. Internet? Please don't go back to enterprise. How did uh, I like what? How was the internet for you in October? Uh, have, what any have any hiccups? Oh, some of the DDoS attacks. Do you know where they came from? Where did they come from? IoT. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, targeting the, the IoT Mirai, devices. Yeah. The Mirai virus was hitting home PCs and they were scanning their home networks to look for DVRs. And uh, I think it was a Chinese based uh, webcam. And the <laughs> webcam had like the administrative password embedded in the firmware. Oh, that's beautiful. Please and do it, more of that. And it couldn't be upgraded. So they actually ended up issuing a recall on these devices. So it, it the, the Mirai got into the home PCs and scanned the DVRs and the cameras, infected them, and the DVRs and the, the webcams were flooding uh, 
DYN, Dyn, with DNS mm-hmm. requests causing a DNS outage that affected large parts of America. And there was talk about that being a little bit I don't mean I don't mean US politics since we just had an election, but that being somewhat politically motivated because of the head of Dyn, right? Yeah, there were theories all over the place that he, it was he had, a practice he, run for he the had, election. Well, he had come out and said something about the fact that the security companies that provide security for com- uh, for corporations, that they were sort of working in tandem with the people creating the vulnerabilities and the threats. Um, and that so, wasn't so popular of a statement. So to be fair, I'm not agreeing with him at all. But security companies usually research um, – different pieces of technology, when they find a vulnerability, they reach out to the company to get it fixed. A lot of times, the company they reach out to will not even acknowledge there's a problem. Because what's the point in them fixing it? If it's not public, there's no reason for them to go work at it. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, you know, uh, some of them care. Google and Apple, they have hackathons all the time. And if you can come in and, and, and hack one of their devices or give them a vulnerability, they'll reward you. They will give you... Uh, a finder's fee for it and they will fix it um just recently i think this week microsoft just patched a bug that was publicly outed by google google had reached out to microsoft microsoft said they weren't going to fix it and then they released it they're like look hey there's a vulnerability in this thing you guys might want to know microsoft's not fixing it and then microsoft fixed it and and this Mm -hmm. is what a number of a number of people do they will Give the company a chance, and I, I believe there's even been court rulings about this. Like you have to give them so much notice. If if they don't do anything about it, well, you know you can release your findings, but right. you have to give them a little yeah, bit of a chance. You have to give them time to, to to do something. But if you know they're not fixing it, what do you do? Just sit on it and say. This is kind of goes back to the open source thing, the many eyes. Uh, idea you know the more people looking at it the more easily and more often you're going to find stuff and you'll fix it and it'll be stronger because of it i think so and with that i'm actually looking at our time and we are out of time chris um thanks for joining me you're not you're not done nerding out i do this all the time we're never done nerding out yeah all right fine you want to you want to prevent my nerding out that's fine only for now First of all, we'll be back almost every single week. We're not on every week, but but close. We release our, our show. Um, plus, since this is our second annual Nerd Out November, I'm pretty sure we'll be back for a third. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.